This week, Google is going pro, Zoom is going to settle, and Amazon is selling a smart soap dispenser. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and it, but wait, there's more later. Those are some of the tech news stories from this week, and it's Friday, August 6, 2021. My name is Kirk Corliss. And I'm Scott Ertz. And this episode 93 of the GNC Week in Review podcast, proud partner of the Tech Podcast Network. David Stuckett's here. Thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode. We are streaming live at gncweekly.com slash live. So please be sure to say hello in chat or comment. Also, be sure to like and subscribe to the GNC WIR channel on YouTube. If you miss a live video, that's okay. You can always catch the replay later. If you are a listener, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We can find on the right-hand side column at gncweekly.com, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. If you have a comment, be it on social media or email, and all those links can be found at gncweekly.com forward slash connect. So it's been a couple of weeks we were off um, and um, had an engagement. Scott had some things that he had to do. So it's great to be back. It is. And the podcast awards um, uh, nominations or nominations i guess we're, we're trying to get us on the nomination slate is closed so they will announce the the, the nomination slate on um sunday sunday sunday, sunday. right <laughs> sunday night at 6 p.m just before PM. my show right <laughs> so i'll definitely dm you uh <laughs> if i find out and i'll in the past um, in the past we have watched uh when when todd used to do like the live nomination show Mm. Uh, we would watch it while prepping our show. <laughs> the timing always worked out. Mm-hmm. We did it one year during our show, and I told him to never do that again. <laughs> so Todd is down in um, in um, Nashville for podcast movement. Um, so there was no. If you were wondering, it's been fun watching watching his photos. I know, right? <laughs> There's yeah, one I saw, I saw just a few minutes ago that made me laugh. It apparently made him laugh, and we're not mm-hmm. going to call anybody out here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know exactly. Yeah, I saw it too. I was busting out laughing. Just when know I saw there's that. a very funny banner happening. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Everybody in the industry is getting a good chuckle over, except them. <laughs> have no idea. Right. Yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, that's if you don't know, well, I don't know if you follow Todd or not, if our regular listeners or Geek, Geek, Geek News Central listeners will probably, Central listeners and viewers will probably get the joke. So it's pretty hilarious when I saw that. But yeah, he'll be back um, for the regular show, his regular show on Monday, this coming Monday evening um, at uh, roughly around 7.30 Eastern time um, on Monday. So awesome about that. So we'll find out, you know, the... Uh, We'll find out if our podcast or F5 Live um, is uh, going to be on the slate. So keep fingers crossed. So I'm rooting for both of us. Um, so whoever comes out on top, you know, I'm happy uh, either way. I have been telling everybody I want top 10 because mm-hmm. I want to be listed on the website for the next year. <laughs> I don't care so much <laughs> past that, to be perfectly honest. So mm-hmm. <laughs> The SEO value of being listed on that website for a year is everything I'm excited about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. I'm, I'll be happy. I'll be happy. Um, either way, either, either way, if we're in the, 
you know, if we get if this podcast were FF Live, you know, I'm I'll be happy either way. So it'll be really cool to to be nominated. You know, the old, the old saying is it's uh, the saying goes, you know, oh, I'm just happy that I did, were just nominated, and they just professor love for, for the other nominees or the other winners. So wh- so whoever wins, you know, I'm happy either way. So for sure. All right, cool. All right, so we're going to jump in the news this week. Top story this week, um, which is awesome, <laughs> I think. Um, after months of rumors of Google's next Pixel from everywhere, from leaked photos, um, from everywhere, speculations were running amok over the past few months. The Pixel 4 was <laughs> the Pixel 4 was a yawn. Pixel 5 was a yawn. So Monday, Google said, hold my beer. Um, they announced <laughs> they announced the after Pixel- that intro, it suggests that they said this one's going to be a super yawn, right? <laughs> Which is not the case. No, it's not. Um, the Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro are coming this fall. Um, the register, among other, along with others, is reporting they were offered a they were offered a glimpse of the gear. There's no um, official specs that have been released. Um, it's also being reported that the Pixel 6 and 6 Pro looks like your standard high-end 6-inch six is 6-ish-inch aluminum frame smartphone. The Pixel 6 Pro is expected to support a 6.7-inch 120-hertz screen, 5G connectivity, and a raised back of cameras on the back that includes a wide-angle main sensor and one with a 4K optical zoom telephone lens. Or X. 4X, excuse me. What I what what letters <laughs> right letters damn alphabet uh, right <laughs> it's been a couple weeks guys um the register was told <laughs> those told the pixel 6 duo will use google's homegrown system on system on chip system on chip called tensor this said include a mix of cpus and gpu cores which could be which could be and likely are licensed from other designers plus google's own custom ai acceleration engine which is uh, why it has the tensor name because mm-hmm. tensor is their ai uh, uh, platform mm-hmm. tensor flow is their ai platform mm-hmm. and there's been a lot of talk of that over the past um, several several days i wonder um, what they're going to use it for and that's also been talked about that as well. Um, the Google has experience in this area with its TPU machine learning cores for servers and network network edge devices. It appearing it appears that Google has made a mobile version of its TPU technology and stuck it into a system on chip to boost the performance of certain apps running on its pixels. For instance, uh, register registers are saying that um, we're told from Google quote Google's computational photography applied model yeah, photography cool. models. And speech processing code, this is like like thinking for voice commands, dictations, and translation will benefit being able, hardware. Being able to move some Google Assistant stuff off the cloud and onto the device. It's a good idea, especially as Apple's coming under pretty intense scrutiny for mm-hmm. privacy issues. Mm-hmm. Sans Apple, too. Um, Google hasn't said who they're working with to see the chip through to, chip through to manufacture. It could be um, Qualcomm. It could be Samsung. There's been a lot of talk about that. Um, leaning toward people More are likely leaning, to be Samsung. Samsung, right? People are leaning towards Samsung. Um, the Pixel Six and Six Pixel Six and Six Pro will also support a Titan M2 security chip. Um, this is a follow-up to earlier Titan chips and Pixel phones. Google is claiming its latest Pixels will have quote the most layers of hardware security in any phone. This goes to 
privacy um, and claims it's been checked by an independent third party. Pixels are also, are also among the first in line to get Android security updates from Google. As for the user, as for the user interface, the new Pixels will run Android 12 as Material U system, which promises automated color settings and a better system menu, and not much beyond that. And the there's Pixels- there's some interesting the Material U design language actually has some interesting changes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been researching it for a project I'm working on, um, and. The design language does have some changes, and I think most of them people are going to like, but there are some that people are already complaining about. Mm. Well, we'll We'll see. We'll see. (coughs) Excuse me. And the Pixel 6 and uh, Pixel 6 and Pro 6 will come in five classic deluxe. And this is the register reporting this and writing this. So (laughs) say it. (laughs) So take it as it is. Um, High quality design or luxury premiums like gourmet colors. <laughs> which is beyond me, and price at the premium end of the market. I think that means that they taste good. <laughs> Again, this is re- this is registered reporting this, and 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 re- and so that's something you know, I would from not from an operating system whose whose naming convention has been sweets for its entire life. Right, I would imagine that it would taste good. Well, the well, the um, I remember seeing on I think it was XDA developers. Um, okay, it was P. We were, I think we're now in Q. So R, I think it was, they were talking, they said, I don't know if it was, it, not Red Velvet. It was Red Velvet was one of them. Oh, I can't remember what the hell the, hell the name of that was. P was, P was Pi, Q is Quince. R, I, I remember seeing it on xcadevelopers.com, the name of it. Uh-huh. And I, can't, and I, I can't, just saw it recently, about a week and a half ago. Okay. Looking it up. Okay, good. Because I, I, it's it's on the tip of my tongue, and I remember reading it. And he was, yeah. There were some unique desserts over the over the years. There was um, Oreo. Donut, Oreo. Um, let's see. There was cupcake. Uh, cupcake. So S is snow cone. Snow cone. Okay. Okay. But consumers. Consumers, uh, users on Android Authority said that uh, Sunday would have been a better, yeah, better name than Snow Cone. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but what the hell? What the hell was R? I can't remember what R was. R was like I think it was it wasn't red. I can't for whatever reason I'm thinking of red velvet for some reason. Oh, it's gonna kill me now. So if any viewers know or listeners know what R was, if you you know. Yeah, let My us know. Or... would run a little faster. I'll have it for you in a minute. Okay. <laughs> it was two lines out of the answer box. <laughs> yeah, there was cupcake, donut, eclair, froyo, gingerbread, honeycomb, I, red ice velvet cream that's it. Okay. Red velvet cake. That's yeah, it. it is red okay. velvet. Okay. I knew it was, I could, I was like, I was 99.9% sure. And I, okay. Okay, good. Okay, so I was right. All right, cool. Okay, yeah, there's like a lot of iterations. So obviously, it's important to remind our our listeners and viewers that they no longer use those names publicly. Right, right. That stopped uh, after that stopped after P. 
after and nine. Yeah. 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 10, 11, and 12 are just going by their version numbers. And I liked and I liked With their... no space, by the way. It's important to note the official branding does not have a space between the name Android and the number 10, the number 11, and the number 12, right. which annoys me to no end. And I love the Easter eggs, the Easter eggs over the years. Easter eggs were great. They had, they were, they were really, uh, the one I think, um, that had one was, um, uh, what was that, um, that really annoying game that people like play incessantly in an Easter where they, um, where you escape, try to escape the, uh, the clap, the, um, the tower, not the towers, but the poles or something like that. I can't remember the name of that, but it was like, it was ongoing and it was really frustrating. Oh, well, well it's, it sounds, it sounds like an infinite runner of some sort. Yeah, I don't know which one in particular. There's, yeah, I'd... there are so many infinite runners. There's even a there's a Sonic themed one. Disney's launched a dozen of them. Mm-hmm. They're not my cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. I was. Neither I was is this, by the way. Right, <laughs> right. So, so we'll. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm been want, and we will, and as listeners and viewers know, I've been wanting to get this new Pixel because I was I was not getting the Pixel Four. I wasn't going to get the Pixel Five. Because the, the the camera and the the processor sucked, the, they're coming out with the Pixel Five A. Supposedly, they were like super iterative, mm-hmm. and they were using the same camera over the over the past the past yeah. two to four and five. And you know the the the, the processor sucked. Um, There's like it wasn't great quality as far as the build quality is concerned. So yeah. I'm looking forward to this phone. I'm, I'm I hope the orange. I hope that stupid orange stripe is real. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen, and I love it. It's real. Excellent. It's real. It is. It's, it's real. so stupid, and I love it. <laughs> it serves no purpose. It makes it stand out way more than it should, and I love every bit of it. And it's unique as, design. As somebody who has owned many Nokias over the years, mm-hmm. and therefore many phones in candy colors galore. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love a phone that stands out for no purpose other than to stand out. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. And the with the if you see like if you go to well that, we'll have the link up in the show notes. Um, there's a photo of the of the phone set up, but on the back um, it has this um, the camera bar is raised a little bit, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of questions on like if you lay it down, is it going to be some people or some reporters and some tech journalists? Excuse me, were um, the we're wondering if it's going to be wobbly or not. And, you know, I think it's different. Oh, I think that means that means that they've held an iPhone in the last couple of years. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Because I'll tell you. This stupid camera bump right here mm-hmm. makes the phone super wobbly. Mm-hmm. Yep. You put it down and it's like, ooh, dance time. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, well, my duo. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. So I'm like, I'm catching in. My birthday was this past Sunday, so I'm catching in my birthday <laughs> now. <laughs> and I know my wife is watching, and she is. I'm. I'm letting let her know. I'm buying. You know, if it's going to be a little pricey, um, it's, I have coming. An it's coming. Be ready. <laughs> right. I have an up. I have my my contract um, with Verizon. I'm due for an upgrade. It's been like that for the past couple of years. Yeah. So, um, yep, I'm all in. I am all in. So I cannot. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. All right. Other news this week. Um, 
uh, Jen Thorpe, who is a staff writer from geeknewscentral.com, posted on Tuesday that Zoom has agreed to settle a lawsuit over Zoom bombing. Um, this is coming from the New York Times. Um, more specifically, Zoom, Zoom Video Communications has agreed to pay $85 million. I don't know. And Mm -hmm. and, and improve its security practices and settle a lawsuit claiming it violated the privacy of its users. For those of you that have been working from home or have kids at school learning from home because of COVID-19 are using Zoom. And to no one's surprise, there was hackers decided to engage in Zoom bombing by accessing Zoom conferences. They were not allowed to enter. Which, by the way, everybody made too easy, including mm -hmm. Zoom, because people would... They're like, oh, I've never been on a video conference before. And so people were taking pictures of their conferences mm -hmm. and sharing them on, on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Well, the room code is in that picture, you morons. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And half the time, all I need is the room code to join because most mm -hmm. people don't password protect their meetings. So right. people were just scanning Twitter, looking for photos of Zoom meetings and entering mm -hmm. whatever room number was there mm -hmm. dumb right and there's it also shouldn't have been there and i complain about this with google meet too the, mm -hmm. the room number shouldn't be on the main screen because of that so zoom shouldn't have allowed it to happen the people shouldn't have been taking photos as if oh my god a video conference it's 1998 i'm <laughs> shocked i've never been on one of these before mm -hmm. well a weird time well, also, too, and I can speak from experience, my daughter was um, learning from uh, home internet, uh, home learning from home with internet, and a lot mm -hmm. of the teachers didn't know how to use Zoom or Google Meet, and I think they everything password protect them. It, that too, and but also too that they, they didn't have they didn't they basically said, okay, here's Zoom, here's Google Meet, throw it at them. I had to show them one of my teach one of her teachers, you know, how to use it, how to, um, you know. Uh, make have a good pa good strong password you know things of that nature and and she was a she was like so grateful that i helped her out and i said you know it's no worries i'm i mean i'm very well versed in these in these products and it's what i do it, it, exactly you know and but i feel bad for a lot of these the these teachers that, that were basically just thrown in exactly without proper training yeah. to show them how things work not to mention you know, on the security issues as far as with this happening, you know, to better prepare themselves for yeah. it, you know, and I know so here really teachers had a weekend to go from in school to online learning to figure it out. They mm -hmm. had Saturday and Sunday. That's it. Good luck. Bye bye. Mm -hmm. I, that's not enough. No, it's not. I mean. You or I could teach a class that way tomorrow because mm -hmm. we've used these things before. Right. But I mean, it, it and it was clear it wasn't just teachers. Let's let's right. be clear on that. It wasn't right. just teachers because right. there was a there was some courtroom somewhere mm -hmm. that yep. that somebody came in and started playing porn yep. on the Zoom call. I saw that. Oh, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I mean, not quite as great as uh, the gerbil lawyer or whatever the hell that was. I love I that one too. That was great. That, oh, that was my favorite. That wasn't Zoom's fault. That was his fault, but still. Right. Oh, I don't remember what it was. What? It wasn't a gerbil. It was, it was something a else. It was a, it was a cat. cat. 
It was yeah. a cat. And he said, oh. that's this it's me. I'm not a cat. I'm not a cat. And oh. the second and the second turn aside was trying to like, you know, show him off camera, showing him how to turn it off in the oh. Quote of 2020. It's me. I'm not a cat. cat. <laughs> show title. <laughs> oh, talk about talk about an attorney like classic <laughs> lawyer right that they have to clarify everything and the first thing he clarifies is that he is not a cat right thanks buddy right we wouldn't have figured that one out on our own thanks for that you win and that, and i saw and i saw on my on, my, on twitter that time. i mean my twitter feed was blowing up when i saw that and there was different memes oh Oh, I was rolling. I felt so bad. I felt bad for that guy. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, and then, then the fact that it happened so close to that abomination that was the Cats movie, <laughs> there were so many screenshots mm -hmm. of like of that movie mm -hmm. in in its broken state where you could like see Judy Dench's human hand in her wedding ring. It's all that and, too. And people were sharing those with mm -hmm. the caption, it's me, I'm not a cat. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Uh, the internet uh, sometimes uh, is wonderful, mostly it, is horrible, but mm, there's some there's some few bright spots. And I think and again, I think we got our this is me, I'm not a cat. That was a bright spot in a dark era. Right. Mm -hmm. A pretty dark era of human history, to be perfectly honest. Uh, certainly of modern history. Yeah. Oh. The best I, I, again i think we got yep we got our show title <laughs> we definitely got our show title so if you're watching live um with the the show title um his name's uh, a lie <laughs> right <laughs> the show title that. well we'll get that right we'll get that um updated so when you see in your feed um uh you'll see the new we'll, we'll, uh <laughs> you'll see the show title so we're not gonna spoil what the, the in the upcoming block of the uh, news so <laughs> oh, I'll, so i'll back back on this particular topic i think right. i think that that 85 million is not enough i mm -hmm. think the idea that the 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 majority of people are only going to get a 15 dollar compensation mm -hmm. i don't think that's appropriate um because mm. i had two meetings that i didn't want to be part of um that happened entirely in uh uh, Windows Sandbox because I don't trust Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, I think I, I had two meetings hijacked this way and nobody shared the, the call room, the room number. Huh. So they, I, people were, I guess, just entering random numbers and occasionally getting in. And that must have been what happened with us. But mm. in reality, this was annoying. But mm. the thing where they created a security glitch on Macs that's the thing that they should have been sued for. And everybody ignored it like it was normal. Mm. It's the reason why I won't install Zoom on any device that I have, because I don't trust them, because they literally broke Mac OS and made it so people could remotely access your camera even after you uninstalled Zoom. Mm. How yeah, do you I, even do that? Yeah, I don't have... I. Well, my company uses um, blue jeans, and um, if I, when it comes to if I ever have, um, uh, there's always a meeting. Um, I would usually probably use Skype or um, occasionally. I think I've used Google Meet maybe once, but for the uh, most part, I um, most part I use Skype, so which is pretty reliable. 
I understand why. <laughs> yep. Like, why would they use this? I work in the industry and I've never heard of this. Oh, mm. that's why. Got it. Continue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, and the other, in the other, um, I uh, reporting that according to the New York Times. 14 class action complaints were filed against Zoom video communication in the spring of 2020 over Zoom bombing. Reuters is reporting that subscribers in the proposed class auction lawsuit will be eligible for 15% refunds or their core subscriptions or $25, whichever is larger, while others could receive up to $15. And Gadget is reporting that lawyers intend to collect up to $21.25 million in legal costs. So 25%. Right. So the lawyers are getting a bulk of the money. In March of this year, um, Reuters reported that U.S. District Judge Lucy Coe in San Jose, California, dismissed several claims in the proposed class action, including evasion of privacy, negligence, and violations of California's consumer and anti-hacking laws. She allows some contract-based claims to proceed. Engadget is reporting that Judge Lucy Coe said Zoom video communica communications were was largely protected against Zoom bombing claims due to the Communications Decency Act of uh, Section 230. Uh, it is the part that safeguards platforms against liability for user actions. So, uh, so kind yeah, of. I, right? Yeah, it's kind of a gray. It's kind of a gray area because um, it's being misused. Exactly. <laughs> so. But the lawyers are getting the, you know, I, you know, 25%. I, that's, ugh. but, but in fairness, they did take essentially 14 class actions mm -hmm. and whoop, bring them down essentially into one main claim and got that claim to win. So, you know, they do deserve a good payout. It's, and their agreement to do all this was probably 25%. So. Well, they're still getting, it's they're still lot, getting yeah, it's a but, lot. <laughs> they're still getting paid like handsomely, you know. So, unless they agreed yeah. not to take any money up front and only take a percentage, in which case, you know, we have no idea how many mm -hmm. man hours went into this. Right. Right. Well, you can kind of tell, but less actions are expensive to run. Yeah. But in layman's, but in layman's, I think, well, I don't know if law some lawyers, I'm not going to throw lawyers on the bus, but, but, you know, I think there's some lawyers that will, that I understand that are do it some pro bono, some are going to ask for, you know, not something like this one. <laughs> pretty, yeah. pretty much, yeah. This probably took an entire firm to pull off. Mm -hmm. and, well, and it's important to remind remember something that Avram said on on our show this past week. He mm -hmm. said, while a million dollars might be life changing to you as a person, it is mm -hmm. not to say Amazon, uh, which is why they got hit for that huge that huge GDPR fine. Mm. Speaking of Amazon, good segue, Scott. Oh, good. <laughs> and this is where this is going to get. This I is don't gonna... even know what to do about this. <laughs> I've read ahead. I don't even know what to do about this. And I'm going to, I wish I had some props. And I'm going to explain to you, we're going to explain to you why. Amazon has quietly introduced a new, <laughs> a new smart soap suspenser that works with his Alexa voice activated system. This has been spotted by AFTV News. Um, the gadget includes a set of 10 LED lights that will count down as you wash your hands for 20 seconds recommended by the CDC to keep germs and harmful bacteria away. 
as a as an Alexa, as an Alexa gadget, you can also pair the smart soap dispenser with a compatible Echo device to access a supporting Alexa Alexa routine. That's an optional feature. And P.S. The dispenser does not include a microphone or speaker. Depending on how I far to, I seem to remember uh, <laughs> Google saying that a particular Nest thermostat also did not include a microphone and lied about it. Right. So, <laughs> we're going to trust this one, but right. verify. Somebody's going to take one apart. <laughs> we're going to trust, but verify. I'd love to see that. Um, now, depending how far how far underneath the nozzle you hold your hand, the device will provide you with more or less soap from its 12-ounce reservoir. The closer you place your hands in the nozzle, the less soap it will dispense. The SARP, the smart Seems soap counterintuitive, <laughs> right? And this is what my example about a prop comes with a uh, comes with 802.11n Wi-Fi and a micro USB port for when you need to charge the device. Amazon Amazon says the internal battery can last about three months on a single charge. <clears throat> Excuse me, you can All order. Right, here the, we go. Here we go. Can... <laughs> Everybody, brace yourselves because the stupid gets real right now. <laughs> you can order it now. And this smart soap dispenser is $54.99. I bought phones for less than that. I okay. Here's here's my thing. And I was gonna bring a prop and I was gonna show it in on, on camera. And I'm try and if you're okay, I'm gonna bring my hand here. Okay, there we go. Okay. So you had the smart dispenser in your hand, and a, a soap dispenser in a home, you buy at Walmart, what have you, maybe cost two, three dollars. You can, if you really wanted to count down and, a timer, and 20 seconds, do, it might come with soap in it. Right, right. Okay. So you have your, if you weren't worried about like, you know, like a timer. So you go to your phone, go to timer and count off 20 seconds. <laughs> and you saved, <laughs> and you saved at least what, $45? Congratulations. <laughs> well, count 20 seconds ahead. <laughs> I have to try something real quick. Let's see. How do I... It's interesting that I may not be able to use Alexa properly from the Alexa app. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it won't trigger anyone. All my speakers are Alexa, count down 20 seconds. don't know if it's doing it. I don't hear anything. Alexa, count down 20 seconds. Timers and alarms are not currently supported on this device. Okay, so if you ha that's fine. It's just that's the the mobile app. Oh, okay. Um, instead of an actual device in my hand, which is fine. But that means that she knew what I was asking. Right. She knew what 20 seconds meant. Right. So if but, you've got an Echo Dot close to you, mm -hmm. which which this talks about, mm -hmm. right? Yep. You can just ask it to count down twenty seconds and save yourself fifty bucks. Mm -hmm. What are we doing here? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You are going to have to go. <laughs> that might be worth the fifty bucks. But here's the catch: uh, the kicker. Stupid. You have to. <laughs> I mean. If you have a soap dispenser in a home or in a or or anywhere, and if you need to like move it up or back up or down or or your hand side to side, that's 
Yeah. Has like anybody a- ever used an automatic soap dispenser in a public restroom and had it work? I'll, I'm, I'll wait. Bueller? No, because they never work. Right. They always do weird things. Right. I We've got one at the gym and mm-hmm. like throughout the gym and you kind of mm-hmm. have to dance. Right. <laughs> the dumbest thing i do the same I, thing like my in my in my building um there are soap dispensers and i hold my hold my hand up and you have to press on the thing and it's and it's like and i'm pressing it i'm pressing i'm pressing it there's practically no soap that's coming out so i'm like i have to bang on it to maybe get like your hands too of, close maybe you got to get further away <laughs> to get more you have to get further away uh, to get more it's uh, so stupid it is it's backwards it if is you're gonna I, do a wouldn't you want more if you're close? Whatever. If you're further away, isn't it going to splash? I don't care. Whatever. This is the dumbest thing. This is going to go down in their list of dumb Alexa-powered stupid things. It, I agree. I just I I because it was most mind-boggling. This in the wall clock. And right, right, right. I remember that exactly. Yep. We talked about that a few months ago. That's damn it, yeah. wall clock. Was stupid. <laughs> This is the most. Again, it to save you some. This is more expensive than the stupid wall clock, and it doesn't have Alexa built in. (laughs) (laughs) So, for those that are listening right now, or watching live, or you catch the replay later, please, please, I beg of you. (laughs) I love Amazon. I purchase items from Amazon. I think they're great. I'm, you know, I've got a lot on my list, you know, to purchase. Um, That this is not one of them. This is definitely not one of them because I will, I guarantee you, if I buy this, my wife, because her and I have a shared account, you know, Amazon uh, household account. If I buy this, my wife is going to like rip me a new one. (laughs) Rightly so. I want to. (laughs) Right. Because she's going to email me. She's like, Mm -hmm. we bought one. Yep. Yep. And then we will trash you on the next show. Yep. Hard. Yep. So I beg of our audience, and I love you guys. You guys are awesome. Please, please. There's plenty of soap dispensers out there that come with soap that you can count to yourself. If you cannot count 20 to yourself or use a timer on your phone or, you know, make a your home assistant to count down 20 seconds or your phone. I bet Siri would do it if I asked her to. Yeah. I'm, yeah. So, so please let this please. be the next fire phone. Oh, I guarantee it will be. <laughs> I guarantee it will be. Where years later we'll uh, be making fun of it. Okay, so in reality, okay. let me real quick, let me say okay. if you've got small children in the house, this might be a way to introduce some gamification into washing your hands. Uh it was one of the things that Avram wanted to do. Um he was looking at using a uh one of the Raspberry Pi Picos. Um, to try and build something to kind of gamify washing your hands because kids are notorious for not doing that. Um, so, I mean, there are places where this this might have some value, not $55 worth of value, mind you. But right. there are some places where a concept like this, not this, mm-hmm. $55 is ridiculous, but mm-hmm. a concept like this uh, <laughs> might have some value. I can see how you get there, especially if you're marketing to kids, but that's not what they're doing here. It's mm-hmm. important to note. It's got Echo Dot integration. It's not marketed to kids. 
They're trying to market to you and I, mm-hmm. and it's insane. It is insane. And I think, and and if for those that are, uh, we would love to know what your thoughts are about this. I would love to hear for, love to hear about it. You know, just yeah. If you think we're crazy for for being upset about this, agreed. <laughs> please tell us why. Tell yep. us why we're wrong. Definitely gncweekly.com slash connect. Uh, definitely on Twitter um, or on fa- our Facebook page. Um, because if we're wrong, call us out on it. And if you think this is a great buy, let us know why. Because I'm I'm really curious because there is no way on this godforsaken earth. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I didn't no get to walk up. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of lunacy. <laughs> Oh good. <laughs> is it gonna be one of those shows? Yeah, it's gonna be one of those shows. And I think and I think with Amazon this, have another crazy idea. Right. I think with this, this is gonna be in our, in our top, you know, this is gonna be in our top five or ten for the for the year of uh stories of the year because this okay. is <laughs> this is another lunat lunacy beyond compare. Um now Amazon is also is offering a ten dollars in promotional credit to get people signing up for their for its palm print payment system. Um, TechCrunch spotted the promotional offer. Um, the the re- uh, Amazon launched um, Amazon One last fall as a contactless way of authenticating, authenticating purchases and allowing entry into stores using a biometric device. Since then, Amazon has expanded the system to 53 of its physical retail, retail spots in places including New York, New Jersey, Maryland, Texas. Um, you can find a tech at Amazon, Amazon Go convenience stores, Whole Food Markets, Amazon, Amazon Go Grocery, Amazon Books, Amazon Four Star Stores, and Amazon Pop Ups. Shoppers can enroll on Amazon One those sites by pairing their credit card and mobile number with one or both of their Palm signatures. The signing up process is the only part that requires you to touch the device. After that, you have to just have to hover your Palm over the scanner to enter a store and complete purchases. The promotion also requires you to link your Amazon account with your One ID. If you're concerned about the privacy concerns, Amazon's aware about that. Now, to re- to calm those fears, the company has promised to secure Palm data using encryption, data isolation, and dedicated secure zones with restricted access controls. For those worried, their data could be monetized. It also is committed to keeping Palm data separate from other from other Amazon customer data. That doesn't that doesn't change anything. Mm-hmm. Continue, and, right? And also, the the Amazon is saying that a subset of quote anonymous Palm data is used to improve its system, and this data is quote protected using multiple layers of security controls. Amazon has also pledged to delete the data, delete the data if you cancel your Amazon One Amazon One ID, and you haven't interacted with one of its Palm scanners for two years. I'm sorry, I I, t- I mentioned this before on previous episodes, and I think we have there was one about Amazon having about about um, scanning your your entire body um, to get to find the right shirt size, the clothes. <laughs> and oh. I said, and I said on that episode, I'm saying it now. I mentioned we talked about, we mentioned it before. We said it on our on the CES pre-show with with Abram and everyone on the, on the on the pre-show. <laughs> I'm not giving my palm to Amazon. <laughs> I don't care if it's ten dollars. I don't care if it's a million dollars. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. What the, uh, what the hell is Amazon thinking? <laughs> 
That's that's your that's your the show title. What, what the hell is Amazon? That is gonna be the show title. What the hell is I, I'm thinking. I don't. <laughs> Biometrics is obviously a very touchy subject. No mm-hmm. pun intended. Um, <laughs> right. Because you hover. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it's it, the 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 concerns around biometric data have been around since Disney started using it at their parks for mm-hmm. season season ticket holders. And, you know, there are a lot of concerns, especially for something like Amazon, who's talking about data encryption and data isolation and dedicated secure zones and all that. And none of that matters mm-hmm. because it has to know how to link to your thing. Mm-hmm. to give information about your your account mm-hmm. which means you can try and pretend that mm-hmm. biometric data is isolated all you want right but some part of the system still has to touch the other part of the system to be mm-hmm. able to make the link and to make the the authentication mm-hmm. so it's not isolated i mean right. yes there's the uh, surface area of attack is smaller mm-hmm. but not gone Mm-hmm. It still exists, and biometric readings, especially ones as detailed as an entire palm, mm-hmm. if you can pull that apart and get a finger, well, now you might be able to get into bank accounts and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. No. No. Well, on-device stuff, I'm generally okay with. If you want to use here. the on-device, you know, uh, fingerprint reader on your Surface Duo or on the power button on the iPad, which, honest to God, guys, why aren't we all doing that? Mm-hmm. Everybody steal that from Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they've been stealing from you for years. It's mm-hmm. time to steal one back. Mm-hmm. Um, or the the iris scanner on the iPhone or the Samsung phone, or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. All of it's fine because yeah. it's all process on device. Which right. might be part of what the the tensor chip for uh, for the the new pixels is all about is right. improving that process. Right. But as soon as it has to connect and remotely authenticate, which is what this has to do, otherwise they have to push every time you register, it has to get pushed out to all the stores, which then gives you a whole new area of attack. You know, no, no part of this is going to be secure. And the fact that they're saying that it will be, that's the part that scares me because it's a lie and I don't like it. Yeah. Well, not to mention what it kind of also too, is that a lot of the, a lot of the Amazon ghost stores, they have like multitude of cameras. So, but they're also, you know, what's to say, like going in that store, you get in their palm print. You're going to be watched coming in and out, and they can they know who you are. They've got facial recognition, exactly. So facial identification. I'm sorry, they've got facial identification on you, exactly. So it's like they know you going in, going out, and on top of that, they got your they got your data (laughs) both ways. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, not a fan. Yeah, I agree. I mean, because I because I use it with you know with my Pixel, um, I have the fingerprint, and I use try to use every with PayPal and um, all the other apps I use. 
I, it's very helpful. I love it. And, and God forbid, God forbid, you know, someone sealed my phone, yeah. you know, and if they have, they happen to go into my PayPal account or, or my um, Google account, I'm covered. I'm, I'm protected. Yeah. Yeah. But by, by going into these, by, by going to that store, I haven't been in that one of those stores. I don't know where it's one near me, but, um, but I'm not, I'm sorry. No, absolutely not. Yeah. I'm not interested. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm generally not a fan of biometrics as a whole. Again, if people want to use it on your devices, I get it. I'm fine mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've used it on on some devices over the years. I generally prefer a pin, but I've used it. But right. something that's that's literally network connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the pin, the pin's fine, too. That's, you know, the, always and also to, you know, 2FA it helps as well. So... All right. Other news this week. Um, Microsoft. This is going to be. This is in, in your uh, in your wheelhouse and, and being a Microsoft guru, um, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. And I kind of kind of fun, sound is kind of funny as well, which is odd. Um, Microsoft said on Monday it plans to run an experiment in its Edge web browser where it will intentionally disable an important performance and optimization feature in order to enable more advanced security upgrades and what the company is calling Edge. This is actually true. (laughs) This is fun. (laughs) Funny. Super duper secure mode. (laughs) And it's not, this is actually real. It's called that. Um, Should definitely be said by a valley girl. (laughs) Super duper secure mode, like for sure. <laughs> this is one of those weird shows. Yeah. Jonathan, I love it. Jonathan Norman, uh, Microsoft Edge vulnerability re- research lead, announced um, the idea behind the new super duper secure mode is to disable support for JIT or just in time inside V8, the Edge browser's JavaScript engine. Um, JIT, if you most and you don't know, plays a crucial role in all of its today's web browsers. Uh, JIT works by taking JavaScript and compiling it to machine code ahead of time. If the browser needs the code, it gains a significant speed boost, speed boost. If it doesn't, the code is discarded. However, JIT support in V8 is complex. Um, Norman said JIT-related security issues amounted to more than to 45%. Of all V8 vulnerabilities in 2019, furthermore, furthermore, more than half of the, quote, in-the-wild Chrome exploits rely on JIT-related bugs. Norman said... It's it's important to remember that Edge is now based on Chromium. So that's why that piece of information matters here. In, In the old days, Microsoft would not have compared security bugs in Chrome to what they're up to, but they do share a lot of common... Uh, code base underneath. Got it. Okay. All right. So Norman said that recent tests carried out by the Edge team have shown that despite its pivotal role in speeding up browsers in the early mid, early and mid 2010s, JIT is not a crucial feature anymore to Edge's performance. Encouraged by these findings, Norman said the Edge team is now working on super duper. <laughs> this, is a, this is a tongue twister. Super duper secure mode, an Edge configuration where they disable JIT, enable three other security features such as control flow enforcement technology, and arbitrary code guard. Two features that will normally clash with V8's JIT implementation. As Norman explained, super duper secure mode is currently classified as an experiment and are no plans to set in stone to ship to its user just yet. 
However, while super duper secure mode does not have a certain future, the future is already live and ready for testing. Users of Edge, Canary, Dev, and Beta can go. Um, there's a link in the show notes um, where you can go to the address and enable it in their browsers. So we'll have a link, a link in the show notes where you want to check that out on for super duper to enable super duper secure mode. So is this I like um, hearing you say it? <laughs> So, being the Microsoft guru, um, is this um, is this a help? Is this helpful for users that, that are using Microsoft on using Edge browser? Is it um, worthwhile? Do you? Uh, I'm turning it on right now, and I will tell oh. you in just a moment. Okay, live uh, demo. <laughs> what is <laughs> how I feel about it? Okay, because um, I know how long our site takes which has some yeah which has some pretty heavy javascript stuff on the home page um and i did not see a performance difference obviously it's just i based and no, nothing scientific about it but obviously mm -hmm. i spend a ton of time on our own website so mm -hmm. i know about how long it usually takes to load i didn't see any noticeable speed difference mm -hmm. um the the just-in-time stuff was essentially um an idea javascript used to be run as is mm -hmm. which was a disaster for so many reasons because mm -hmm. it meant that you could easily inject new javascript into the page and that meant that uh that things would choke and you could change what the code did and what the website did and turn a good page into a bad page um, a lot of that stuff still exists. The just-in-time idea was if we compile the code ahead of time, um, then changes aren't all that important because we've already compiled it. Hmm. Um, but uh, not so much the case anymore because at this point, if you make a change to the code programmatically, uh, it just recompiles. Why? Hmm. Because compiling JavaScript is not the heavy thing that it used to be. Um, and you're probably running, if you're listening to Avram's advice from this week, um, you're running a laptop with 16 gigs of RAM. <laughs> um, and so, you know, what's a couple of extra milliseconds in order to add other important security enhancements, right? which is what this is all about. The control flow uh, enforcement technology, the CET, uh, the arbitrary code guard, which is kind of designed to look for and not compile uh, code that's not ever being called and things like that, um, or things that have been knowingly altered externally, you know, things like that. There's, there's a lot of extra security that can't happen <laughs> with, with just-in-time enabled. So it's an interesting test. Um, I have absolutely enabled it on this computer in my beta browser. Um, I look forward to exploring and seeing if I get mad at the internet this way. But I will tell you so far, it does not look like I'm going to. Um, it does seem like it's working well. And again, our site has a lot of JavaScript on it um, for for some interesting features, and I don't see it choking. 
Okay. I don't. Do you think? I'm not going to lie. The upstream feels like it's loading faster. Hmm. Interesting. So, do you think maybe this is a coincidental? But when with Windows 11 in beta right now, are they using this to? Are they tying this to in maybe to Windows 11 as a complete? Um, as, a as complete, part of the security push, right? Like like the uh, the TPM chips. Being exactly. required for Windows 11, it yeah. could be. Um, okay. it, it could also just be a sign that the company is putting more emphasis into um, security. Okay. It could simply be. It could simply be that. Um, I don't know. Okay. Um, but you know, anything that they can do to do, you know, like they said, it's an experiment. Mm-hmm. And Microsoft runs a lot of experiments, a lot of them around security. Um, some of them come to pass. Some of them are never heard from again mm-hmm. because they either don't enhance security, they make it worse. Uh, you know, things happen. Yeah. And uh, so they're running the experiment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, and um, we'll see if. <laughs> I can't i'm like giggling like a schoolgirl with the super duper it's the dumbest schooner. name ever it is yeah it's a it's a whole night of dumb right what are these people thinking that's <sighs> again that's again I, I that's gonna be a show title that's gonna be a show title all right other news this week um <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, Apple has placed senior engineering program manager Ashley oh, gee, oh wow. Um Gigovic, and I'm mispronouncing this person's name, I apologize, on indefinite administrative office leave, administrative leave, excuse me. After she tweeted about sexism sexism in the office. <clears throat> excuse me. The company is currently investigating claims um uh Geovic made about a hostile work environment. Um, she said in an interview with The Verge, quote, for months I have been raising concerns with Apple employee relations about years of experiences with sexism, a hostile work environment, sexual harassment, unsafe working conditions, and retaliation. I asked them to mitigate the hostile work environment while they investigate, and they initially offered me EAP therapy. Now, for those who don't know what EAP means, it's employees in the pro- employee is in this program and medical leave. Um, I told them that made that, that made no sense and said they should talk to my leadership and set up oversight and boundaries. I added that if there was no other option, they could give me paid administrative leave. They apparently made no effort to set boundaries. Instead, they were placing me on administrative leave and implied they did not want me on Slack where I had where I had been vocal about my concern with certain policy of the company. They also implied that they didn't want me to meet one-on-one with other women in the company about the concern with Apple policies, which I have been doing. On Wednesday, um, Geovic um, said out an out-of-office message informing colleagues that the employee relations team had placed her on indefinite pay leave. This is the second time Apple has investigated Geovic's claim about sex discrimination, discrimination at the company. The employee relations team closed an earlier investigation, allegedly finding that nothing was wrong, prompting Jovic uh, to tweet screenshots and what she says is a small portion of what she experienced. Apple did not immediately respond to requests for comment from The Verge. So she voiced her concerns initially, um, you know, wanted to handle everything handled in-house. It sounds like 
on the surface that Apple basically did not want to hear her concerns and she tweeted about it, feel like she was wronged and she got busted for it. So the question is, is Apple Apple as woke as they say they are. Right. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, cause I know like with my company, we have, there's some problems, you know, we reach out to EAP, we voice our concerns and, um, and then they go through a, through a third party, you know, and usually nine times out of 10 things are resolved. But the, but this instance, she voiced her concerns, made suggestions, un, goes on the hurt. They went north. Eh, no big deal. Right. And then she felt like she should voice her concerns on Twitter. She tweeted about it and, and there's Externally. a link in the show notes. Right. And there's like a, a slew of screenshots on her concerns. And I think what I think what Apple did was wrong. I think I think she did everything she did everything right, and she got and in the end she got punished for it. So. I am not going to take a position on this because mm. I haven't. I don't have informa- enough firsthand information. Obviously, everything we're, we're doing here is third hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, True. I don't have enough information. Um, I I am inclined to believe uh trust but verify. We'll use that again. Mm-hmm. To, <laughs> I, I I tend to take a trust but verify approach to any kind of claim like this. Um Apple is known for being a pretty pretty lefty company who take hmm. stuff like this seriously. And it right. seems like for them to have closed an investigation saying that nothing had happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely <laughs> makes me feel a little weird about it. Right. Um, if all of the facts of, of the story are correct, Apple screwed up. Right. But knowing Apple as a corporation, Mm-hmm. chances of them brushing off actual acts of sexism seem and again seem right um it's all it's all smoke and mirrors with apple so mm-hmm. it, <laughs> uh, they have an actual spaceship as a headquarters it's all smoke and mirrors with apple it's all about appearance and not necessarily right. about reality right so i mean there is that possibility but right right as an outside observer, they're not mm-hmm. the kind of company to brush something like that off. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens here. Yeah. Um, the the fact that the employee relations team placed her on paid leave, right, is interesting. Um, I suspect that the next step here will be that Apple will bring in a third party, mm-hmm. um, especially since the story is big enough that we're talking about it. Right. Um, and if they truly do believe that their first investigation was correct, mm-hmm. then the next step is to bring in a third party to prove that they were right. Right. Well, there should have been, I think there should have been a third party in the beginning. Anyway. You know, yeah. That, that should have been, that should have been, I think that if there was a third party, this would never come out. Yeah. We wouldn't have known about it. Exactly. And, but for her to, I just think, I mean, there's a lot of, we don't know exactly also too. We don't know what happened prior and 
Apple's been known to be in a lot of uh, controver controversial um, uh, with security and privacy. And yeah, they've put themselves in some and, weird places. Yeah, but, but it, when, when it comes to the to the the woke topics, mm -hmm. racism, sexism, that type mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, yep. Tim Cook is not the kind of guy. I he he has multiple times put his customer base in jeopardy mm -hmm. over statements that he's made that have been super controversial mm -hmm. on the, on the very woke side. Mm -hmm. And so, yep. you know, the, you know, the expression go woke, go broke. <laughs> and he was not worried about that at all in right. making big statements. So, but again, it could be all smoke and mirrors. Right. I not believe any of what he says. I don't know, but I mean, he did come out as gay. So, you know, he might, who knows? He might yeah. be super woke. This could all be smoke and mirrors. There's all kinds of possibilities here. Without mm -hmm. more information, without third-party investigation, mm -hmm. I don't trust either side of this. Yeah, well, and like I said, we'll, down to right. We'll, neither side of this makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm again. I mean, it's just me. I think I'm I'm leaning towards. Um, you know, I think that you know she spoke about it in this internally. Did everything that she could. And then, you know, when all else fails and a lot of times, like when, you know, when with social media, with Twitter, you know, you go, you go directly to the source. You, you know, if you feel yeah. that you're wronged, go to that, go to that. And if you feel that you are not, if you are not satisfied, absolutely go on Twitter or, Blow you, it up. or you use social media to create a, uh, an anger mob e either True. way. <laughs> right. I know. I always believe that, but, you know, with with social media, I always believe I, because me, if I'm wrong with something, I don't, I don't go on Twitter and Facebook, you know, and I'm not rarely on it, but, but I always go to the initial source. If I were, if I was wrong with something, you know, I would reach out to that person or company and say, look, here's what happened. What can you do? You know, and come to a resolution if that doesn't work. Then, then yeah, we're definitely going on, on, you know, but I wouldn't, you know, get the oh, yeah. pitchforks and we, pitchforks and torches out. <laughs> right. I mean, we all remember what what I did when when that horrible, horrible bank current stole a very small amount of money from me. Hmm. I set them on fire. <laughs> I told yep. them that I was going to get my money back from them either in cash or in blood. And I decided to go for blood because <laughs> they wouldn't give me the cash. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, I made that 50 bucks or hundred bucks or whatever it was cost them way more than that. But anyway, um, I, so, so yeah, I definitely understand that. But then yeah. on the other hand, there's the woman that worked for the, the state of Florida as a web designer and she tried to to take down the governor by making up stories about how she was a data analyst and how he was trying to silence her and all that, you know, big claim. She went to Twitter, turns out, oh, yeah, none of what she said she was true. And oh, she might yeah. go to prison uh, for hacking a federal computer system. Yeah, I remember so, seeing that, too. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah. So, I mean, we... There, there is precedent for taking mm -hmm. a non a nonsense story to Twitter mm -hmm. in the hopes of creating a narrative that mm -hmm. doesn't reflect reality. Right. So with that said, 
Mm-hmm. I don't trust either party in this story yet. Yeah. <laughs> Until a third party comes in and does an investigation. I don't I, trust what either of them say. My guess uh, is it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, again, I just I don't know, you know, but I think that again, I think initially if, from what I think this, it would be if this story is exactly as written, mm-hmm. yes. He mm-hmm. did everything right and Apple did everything wrong. Right. This story is written a little biased yeah, in, well, in the facts and does not at all talk about the fact that Apple does not have a history of this behavior. <laughs> so Right. But also so too some concerns the, there. But also too, um and Apple, you know, well, they did say they didn't respond to it to you know with the for comment. So yeah, I wouldn't either, because this is gonna turn into a legal tr- Good point. They need to keep their mouths shut. This good point. Is, she's going to sue. Good. good. And, oh, absolutely. And get Apple out, needs out. to keep their mouths shut. They can't respond to this story. Yeah. But they I can't get, give any information publicly because this is this is going to turn into good point. A long legal battle. Good point. Guaranteed. Because that's that's why she took it to Twitter. True. That's yeah. I mean, that's you know the, the old saying: the the court of uh, public opinion. Public opinion. So yeah. yeah, I just. It's, She's trying to put together an anger mob uh, before she before she sues, which is I I understand. There's mm-hmm. there are whole legal PR firms that help you create the anger mob before a lawsuit happens. Mm-hmm. So I I think it's sleazy. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that she's hired one. No, the, the tactics are very public at this point. There's an episode yeah. of Boston Legal about it. That's how public the tactics are. <laughs> and that was canceled in what, 2008? So. Yeah. Good show. It was a good show. I liked it. I like that show. Yeah. I don't anyway, know. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. And... This is not a short term story. This no. is something that we will be following up on. Yep. Potentially, depending on how Apple responds to it, potentially for years. Yeah. I'm definitely, we're definitely going to keep an eye on this and, and see what happens. And, and, uh, you know, we'll, Hope for whatever happens. <laughs> All right. The other news this week, um, a lot of technology companies reported their second quarter earnings. Um, there was a lot, and I'm not go- we're not gonna get into all of them because it'll take us until <laughs> until we-, we hours in the morning. Um, one was from Uber. Um, they beat their estimates on the top and bottom line and turned an unexpected one-time profit during the second quarter. Um, shares dipped more than four percent after hours trading. Uber I so badly need to see these numbers <laughs> because yeah, they bought Postmates this quarter. How mm-hmm. could they have possibly turned a profit? Yeah. For the first time ever in the mm-hmm. company's history, how yep. is this the quarter that they turn a profit after buying Postmates? Mm-hmm. It is a shocker. I have to see these numbers. <laughs> um, the earnings per share, um, 58 cents versus an, versus an expected loss of 51 cents. Revenue three point nine three point ninety three billion dollars versus three point seventy five billion dollars expected. Uber reported a net income of one point one billion dollars for the quarter. That was largely due to unrealized unrealized gains of one point four billion dollars in DD. DD is a company that's engaged in the mobile technologies uh, platform, and four hundred seventy one million dollars in Aurora, who is a self driving startup. Okay. Shares of DD have dropped about 30%, 37% over last month, however, shrinking Uber's stake in the company by $2 billion last week. 
Uber's operating loss was still $1.19 billion. Okay. So the idea of them turning a profit is a little misleading. Mm -hmm. So it's because of investments in something else right. that they turned a profit, but they're still massively in the red when it mm -hmm. comes to operating their business. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so if they were a venture capital firm, they would have had a very nice quarter. Mm -hmm. But as a company that delivers people, food, and other things, mm -hmm. uh, they still stunk out loud. Right. Got it. <laughs> right. So um, it's adjusted. EBITDA, EBITDA loss was around, was, excuse me, $500 million down to 150, 150 million from the prior quarter. Down by but, 150 million from the previous right, quarter. Right. But an Ooh. improvement, but an improvement of the three hundred twenty-eight million dollars from last year. Last um, year, okay. So they're right. year over year they're getting better, but mm -hmm. last quarter was better. So for those who don't know okay. what EBITDA means, it refers to earnings before interest, taxes, and de depreciation and amortization. Uber reaffirmed its expectations that will reach profitability on an adjusted EBITDA basis by the end of this year. CFO Nelson Che said in a letter to investors, "Quote." As we make progress towards that important milestone, we expect our adjusted EBITDA loss in Q3 to improve to less than $100 million in addition to record gross bookings between $22 and $24 billion. Um, uh, also, there was a statement um, in uh, from Uber. Uh, I get it to get the, guy, the person's name. Um, boy, um, in Q2, we invested in recovery by investing in drivers and we made strong progress with monthly active drivers and couriers in the U.S. increasing by nearly 42,000 from February to July. 420,000. Right, 420,000. Even bigger than 42,000. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of new drivers. Mm -hmm. I would like to know if that, uh, if that includes turnover, any churn, because I know a lot of people that aren't driving anymore. Right. So, yeah, the company did not provide exact number of drivers, um, but uh, Uber is optimistic and about growth rates after the company made heavy investments in bringing people back. The company added 30% more drivers in the U.S. from June to July. Wow. Um, also in the statement, um, quote, the good news is we're now in a good place. We're able to pull those investments back. The investments were big, but the investments were worth it. Uber reported one billion trips on the platform up four percent from the first quarter and 105 percent from the year ago quarter uber said the drivers and couriers earned an aggregated uh, aggregate 7.9 billion dollars during the quarter so that's good that's interesting yeah that's... i mean with this with this uh pandemic slowly i guess some while it's winding down or not but you know there's still they're still making they're ma making money. Of course, they're also in the same same breath. They're losing money. way more than they're making. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But so, in fairness, so did Twitter mm -hmm. for nearly a decade uh, before they turned a profit, and now they have. I don't know that they've ever paid that back. Mm -hmm. It also took Google, I think, six years to break even on the YouTube purchase. Some businesses are just expensive to get off the ground. And obviously this one's one of them because if your if your user growth rate is too high, mm 
compared to your driver growth rate, you're going to hurt your business. I was listening to a really great interview um, the other day um, where they were talking about uh, that there was a point where their business was so successful that it almost ended their business. Hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, it happens, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're so successful in one part that you can't gear up the other thing. And a business like Uber has two very important aspects, the customers and the drivers. Mm -hmm. And if the quantities are out of, are out of sync, yeah, a lot of customers and not enough drivers could put them out of business. Mm -hmm. So it's it's an interesting situation. So it's good to see yep. that they feel they're getting comfortable with their number of drivers yep. and that they're paying well. They're paying I well, mean, yeah. $8 billion in payments. And I've been uh, we've been doing a little bit of uh, research into the way all of that works around here. And that's a lot of drivers. Mm -hmm. I can tell you, based on how much I know uh, drivers are making, $8 billion in the quarter, that's a lot of drivers. Mm -hmm. And, they're doing, and the, I, they're doing well. I mean, again, with this, um, with the with pandemic, you know, and people looking to get extra money or not extra money, but a second, sor second source of income, yeah. you know, good on them. Definitely good on them. All right. Next up, the FCC has released its first ever mobile broadband coverage map. The tool allows you to compare the LTE and voice coverage of the air, coverage areas of the country's four largest carriers, showing where showing where you can expect to see wireless download and upload speeds of at least five megabits and one megabit, respectively. The date on a map is accurate as of May 15th, 2021. You can use a tool to compare what coverage looks like in your area, away from the often misleading and confusing maps offered by AT&T, T-Mobile, US Cellular, and Verizon. The tool is a result of last year's Broadband Data Act, which requires the FCC to collect and release robust data comparing different wired fixed wireless satellite and mobile broadband, mobile broadband source providers. To compile the map, the FCC collected standardized propagation information from the carriers that also asked the public to help. Uh, the agency says, quote, this map provides a preview of how the mobile data the FCC will collect under the standards set by the Broadband Data Act will look when mapped. Never before have maps have been created using these new standardized mobile data specifications, which will improve the uniform uniformity and consistency of broadband available data, broadband availability data collected by the FCC. So, and I'm waiting for 5G near me. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you that it is running real slow right now. And you froze. Oh. And you're back. My internet went away. Uh, I will tell you it's running real slow right now, but apparently it might be the internet connection. <laughs> That's what happened. That's what happened two weeks ago when you went F5 Live. I just I just swapped internet connections and it's still taking forever. So okay. Oh right. this is not gonna be very consumer friendly. It already has four little windows. <laughs> not a great starting point. 
Well, it's the FCC and also how the government works. So <laughs> take it as you take it as you uh, as you go. Fair Aaron enough. Tucker. Fair enough. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, okay. My AT&T coverage is 100%. My T-Mobile coverage is 100%. My U.S. cellular is probably nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Um. And then Verizon is a hundred percent as expected. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely no U.S. cellular coverage, <laughs> which is not surprising to me because they're not in this market. <laughs> which is why I was surprised when you said four major carriers because I was thinking hmm, the fourth major carrier went away recently, mm-hmm. <laughs> it became part of the third major carrier. <laughs> I'm checking mine right now and seeing. <laughs> I would like to point out that it only lists LTE. Mm-hmm. It does not. Uh, it does not list 5G at all. So, hmm. interesting. Well, let's see. With me, my area. Excuse my hands. I have definitely have to get a better camera, hopefully soon. I'm messing with you. I'm doing it right back at you, just so you know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was wiggling my fingers in the cam and my camera, just like you were doing yours. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who are listening, that probably sounded very weird. Right. So don't, yeah, don't mind, the, don't mind that. So just watch the video; you'll see it. Okay. So back it up, back it up, back it up. This is okay. Screw it. I'm not gonna. This is weird. Okay. Very odd. Okay. All right. Moving right along. Um, so speaking of other tech companies that reported Q2 earnings, Roku uh, easily beat Wall Street forecast for second quarter 2021 earnings, posted record 81% revenue growth. Wow. But however, the, the net number of new active users fell shy of analyst expectations. What's more, the total number of hours streamed fell by 1 billion hours from the prior quarter. Total... <clears throat> Excuse me. Total net revenue. Total net revenue grew eighty-one percent year over year to six hundred forty-five million dollars, and Roku reported net income of seventy-three point five million dollars, or fifty-two cents per diluted share. On average, Wall Street analysts expected Roku to to post Q two revenue of six hundred eighteen point five million and EPS of twelve cents. Um, besides the slowing account growth and drop in streaming hours from Q1. Roku reported a negative gross margin for its hardware business of negative 5.9%. The company blamed higher component and shipping costs and Roku's decision to eat those escalating expenses by, quote, uh, insulating consumers from increased costs for Roku players. Roku... That was nice. That was nice. Because as we've talked about, uh, chips are getting harder to find, which means the Mm -hmm. cost of producing these things is going to go up. Which of course means that theoretically the retail price of these things should go up. And what Roku's saying is we decided not to do that and to eat it ourselves. Yep. So yep. 
I mean, good on investors you. may not be happy yeah. about that, but their their revenue and their profit is up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, they've definitely got a loyal fan base. There, I, there's one right here. I just add a frame with our logo on it. You know, uh, they've got loyal customers. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that their profit and their revenue are up, but their actual usage is down. Down, right? Makes you wonder where the revenue is coming from, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Roku shares were down 8.5% after hours trading in Q2. Roku's active accounts reached 55.1 million, an increase of 1.5 million active accounts from Q1. Morgan Stanley analysts expected Roku to end the quarter with 56.2 million accounts. Meanwhile, streaming hours on the Roku platform for Q2 were 17.4 billion hours, a decrease of 1 billion hours from Q2021, or about 5% sequentially. 5%. Right. Um, Q2 net ads, quote, um, Roku said in a letter to its shareholders, um, quote, were higher than pre-COVID levels in Q2 2019, but as expected, lower than the pandemic-related surge of Q2 2020. Excuse me. The company blamed the sequential decline in streaming hours on consumers seeking, quote, increased out-of-home entertainment activities such as dining and travel in Q2 as a result of, result of pent-up demand and loosening of COVID-19 restrictions, which P.S., which P.S., I went, my wife and I, and they were going out to dinner for the first time in the, a year and eight and eight months. So my daughter's Ooh. birthday. So, oh, it was glorious. <laughs> it was glorious. Um, citing Nielsen's measurements, uh, Roku, Roku claimed it still, quote, significantly outperformed the TV industry in the most recent quarter. Roku's streaming hours increased, night, increased increasing nearly 19% globally in Q2, year over year, compared with a nearly 19% decline in traditional TV. So, yeah, I was, yeah, it was, I think more and more, you know, people are instead of at home, you know, uh, binge watching. Right. You know, and <laughs> so it's good that they're still doing well, they're doing well, but, you know, I imagine that their numbers are going to like, when it comes to uh, Q3, they're going to see, a, they're going to see, see maybe a shift in on uh, a shift on their subscriber growth maybe less um maybe we'll see interesting mm-hmm. all right and, so you know they've got they've got all kinds of interesting new content they bought uh quibi right right and so mm-hmm. all that's now available um on their platform um officially the middle of last month i think yeah yep and hopefully uh they have some good content on there, but that's it's watchable. Rainer nine one one. Okay, that was all I Great cared example. about with Quibi. I used my seven day free trial. I watched all the episodes, and then I let it expire. <laughs> it was the only thing on there I cared about. Yep, yep. All right. So if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, thank you for tuning in, subscribing, and listening. Now, Spotify, if you may or may not know. Offers users a paid and free and paid and free listening tier. The former will give users features like offline listening, playing songs on demand, skipping songs. It basically lets them do whatever you want with the service. The free version, however, limits on what users can do, what users can do, and users will have to put up with ads. More like Pandora. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
Um, Pandemic, uh, Spotify thinks that they may have found the solution to get people to start paying. According to a discovery from The Verge, it seems that Spotify is testing out a new subscription tier that will cost just $1 a month. This is versus the current uh, pay tier that's priced at $9.99 a month. The This particular tier was still coming with ads. That users will be given more freedom in how they listen to their songs. For example, users will be able to pick and choose the songs they want to listen to. And they can also skip as many songs they like. The free tier is limited to six tracks per hour. However, before you get all happy and excited, um, Spotify told The Verge that there is no guarantee that the subscription will launch for the masses. According to the company, quote, some tests end up paying the way, paving the way for new offerings or enhancements, while others may only provide learn, uh, learnings. We don't have any initial information to share at this time. So such a European word, <laughs> learnings. Learnings. <laughs> it's a European company, so it, it doesn't surprise me that mm-hmm. it would have such a European word in there. But it's still funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is obviously what this is: is Spotify seeing what some of the other services are doing, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, HBO Max now has, uh, I think, a triple-tier option. Peacock famously launched with its uh, Mm triple-tier option. Uh, And Peacock is setting the trend in in that regard, obviously taking what it learned, learnings from Hulu Mm -hmm. um, in the old days and... You know, we're starting to see that business model in more places. And I think it's probably a pretty good idea, even though, you know, HBO Max isn't like free or even Peacock free a mm-hmm. dollar and ten dollars. Peacock oh. is free four ninety nine and nine ninety nine, I think. And HBO Max is something, something in 15. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I well, don't speak- remember what the numbers are. <laughs> well, um, speak- well, speaking of it's HBO- a good idea, I think. Well, speaking of HBO Max, there's some there's a good uh, documentary. I encourage you to watch, and I'll tell you about that when we get off air. Um, um, but I think this is a and I um, I and I have Spotify downloaded. I only use it occasionally, but when it comes to the skipping, it's similar. It is similar. It is similar to Pandora. However, with Pandora, is um, you watch an ad, and there's a button that you can listen for an hour. So Spotify has 30 i think i'm pretty sure it's 30 minutes so if it was for me between the two i usually go with um i go with um with pandora well i listen to a lot of the apps i even including amazon music but for me um gotta love that prime music exactly exactly um but also with um with pandora they also um intertwine intertwines with um with uh xm Right. So, which is a good deal as well, because I listened That's to the parent company. Exactly. So, um, so Spotify, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I use it occasionally. I listen to it for maybe a half hour, maybe, but I don't know if it's worth um, the, um, if they're going to come this out, come out with this, you know, you know, give it a shot, maybe. It's interesting. It's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is completely unrelated. We've mm-hmm. talked about Pandora. Um, T-Mobile customers and now Sprint customers. Remember, you get uh, uh, ad-free weekends now, right? Yep, which is which is pretty cool. So they're mm-hmm. all kind of trying things. I think that's mm-hmm. the point, right? Yeah, everybody's trying stuff. I've been saying for the last year, year and a half, that all the streaming services are going to have to start looking for a hook, something to set them apart. Some of them have 
you know, have content that everybody wants or that enough people want. Disney Plus is a great example, right? Right. They've got enough content that they've got content that enough people want that they that that's their hook. Mm-hmm. But in some cases, you've got to get creative with the music. You got to get creative, you know, super creative. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, title went and did the twenty-four bit audio instead of sixteen bit or whatever. And look how long know. and look how long that lasted. <laughs> They're kind of owned by T-Mobile now, which is so weird because they were kind of owned by Sprint, mm-hmm. and I imagine that came over in the purchase. T-Mobile customers apparently, or Sprint customers for sure, still get title for free okay. or something. I don't know. Yeah, they but, didn't do it. But they're all trying things, right? They're mm-hmm. all trying to separate themselves. There's QBuzz or something that's trying to be a title competitor. Mm-hmm. Um, but they stood us up at CES. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. The other the other Q company to stand us up at CES was Quibi. And uh, we know where they are. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, everybody's looking for a hook. And when you're talking about music in particular, you know, mm-hmm. unless you can get exclusives which only piss off customers um, as title learned um, having exclusives actually hurt their business instead of helped it. Um, how do you separate yourself? Well, with business models, that's how you mm-hmm. separate yourself. So yep. we're going to see more experiments like this across the industry, I think. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's good on consumers because they have, a, you know, good on consumers. They have a choice and, you know, they want to see whether their dollar goes to and their entertainment. Absolutely. You know, you know because again, this is what T-Mobile did to the wireless industry, mm-hmm. right? The wireless industry was real happy how it was. And then John Legere said, I'm going to try something crazy. Mm-hmm. And the whole industry changed the way it worked because everybody had to compete with T-Mobile all of a sudden. Yeah, it should be interesting. We talked off, we talked, um, you know, before we came on, I still want to do a pre-show, um, you know, that, uh, uh, like Seaford is going to be keynoting. They could be at the keynote for uh, mm-hmm. CES. So I'd love to see what he what he um, what he thinks about. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. And finally, this week. Um, now, there's. Um, let me go here. There we go. Nope. 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 Ah. Oh. Okay. Let's try this again. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Finally, this week, so my camera frame changed. <laughs> Sorry, not in a good way. Right. <laughs> um, Finally, this week. Um, now we have um, robots in some shape disguise. or form. Oh no, robots <laughs> in disguise. <laughs> um, we have robots in some shape or form. They do clean. Um, they're do drinks, move pallets, um, and so More on and so yards. forth. There you go. So now, uh, this is on CNET.com, so if you're watching live, you're listening on audio, there's a website on uh, CNET.com. There's a new beach cleaning robot that's being deployed in Florida. And I'm going to pull up the video. I heard about this. I don't know where in Florida, though. It doesn't, doesn't say. But if I tried, this is not going to load. Fantastic. So let's try this. Nope, it's not going to Okay, fantastic. All right, so we're going to go back to my screen. Um, so um, 
So there's a um, new robot um, control robot called the B-Bot, and it's helping um, keep Florida beaches clean. And if it all goes well, there's other, there's other 29 B-Bots manufactured that can help clean additional beaches, resorts, and more. Um, uh, the they're noting on our website quote walk walk any beach or coastline around the world and you're bound to encounter some form of plastic pollution um, this is for oh, excuse me for ocean this is the marine cleaning company that purchased bebot um, plastic waste isn't just an eyesore that impacts tourism and local economies it's also an environmental hazard that can harm wildlife and degrade crucial coastal ecosystems uh, oh, um, B-Bot is working its way around beaches in South Florida at the moment. But another B-Bot will soon be deployed to Hawaii to, quote, support local partners and existing cleanup initiatives on the island of Oahu. For Ocean says the sole purpose um, the sole purpose of B-Bot is to clean and restore the world's coastlines while also preserving the natural beach environment. It's not fully automatic um, like Roomba. Um, but it's also, but it's in, uh, but it's in remote control by someone, according to Bebop manufacturer Paralu Marine. This is for safety reasons, as the machine will likely be often the vicinity of beachgoers, it can be trolled remotely from up to 300 meters away. So while it isn't automatic, um, it'll look autonomous to those near it. And I was trying to show the video, but it's, the video wasn't loading, so I apologize. So. Um, the Bebop can, si can silently and discreetly clean up to 3,000 3, miles of beach an hour, depending on the topography. Um, it's 100% electric, doesn't require fuel. Um, so that's pretty cool. So how, a robot that cleans How much can it do? Uh, 2,000, uh, whoop, let me go back, 3,000 3, M2. This is from their website. So 3,000. Meter, square meters. Meter. Okay, thank you. I was going to say 2,000 miles. <laughs> An airplane can't do that. Right, 3,000. Right, 3,000 meters. Right. Square meters. Sorry. Okay. Square meters, right. square meters. Right. Okay. <laughs> Math sucks. Oh, um, that, that is way less terrifying. <laughs> I don't, so, don't want to see a robot go <laughs> pew across, <laughs> across the beach. Right. Yeah, so pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. I I like that they're taking the 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 you know automated <laughs> machine, whatever right. whatever that thing is. Right, mm -hmm. we're seeing more and more of it, and applying it to places that we may not have initially considered. Mm -hmm. I may not have considered the beach, although I have seen uh, water cleaning, uh, oil eating, little mini robots, which I think is awesome. Yep, pretty cool. So, all right, and with that, um, that is the tech news for this week for Friday, August sixth, twenty twenty one. Thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode. Show notes from this episode can be found at gncweekly.com. Also, be sure to check out the latest tech news and commentary from geeknewscentral.com, and be sure to tune in Mondays and Thursday evenings at geeknewscentral.com slash live for the Geek News Central podcast. And then be sure to tune in and watch and tune in at GNC Weekly 
facebook.com slash live Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So please be sure to like and subscribe to the GNCWIR channel on YouTube. Also, make sure to click on the bell and always select notifications so you will not miss the next episode. Also, be sure to uh, share this episode uh, uh, with people you know to check out the podcast. And also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to tune in to F5 Refreshing Technology with Scott and Aaron Pilch Sunday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern Time at f5live.tv slash join us. Or be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Comments on this week's episode, we would love to hear from them, uh, especially if you're wishing to get a smart soap dispenser or want to get into super-duper secure mode. <laughs> um, love to hear from them all. Um, head on over to gncweekly.com slash connect and connect it via email, Twitter, or Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm at Kirk Corliss. Scott is on Twitter at Triple T M A B O. Till the next episode of GNC Week in Review. So long. Ciao.